second main theme of John, which is Moses and the law, and uh, we were in chapter 8, so we were looking at the, uh, the woman caught in adultery, and uh, how Jesus was put in the position of a judge there, which he accepted, uh, and he judged uh, not according to the letter of the law, but through the spirit of mercy, and uh, we, we talked a little bit about the whole issue with uh, that passage not always appearing in John uh, in ancient manuscripts. It kind of jumped around, and in some manuscripts it's missing. But the church uh, fathers decided that's where it belonged, and that's, why, that's what our Bibles look like. And they chose well, because... Uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9 really go together uh, here in John. So we'll be looking at that. Um, So who would like to do the drive-by readings for chapter 9? Connor? Sure. Okay, thanks. So, just off the top of your head, what happens in chapter 9? What is the event in chapter 9? Yes, the man born. <coughs> uh, uh, correct. And, and typically, as is John's uh, typical way, he follows that event with teaching based on that event. And his teaching then is the theme of the chapter, which is, you know, to again, answer the question why did the Logos come? Uh, he came to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. Uh, and that's uh, fairly uh, clear uh, just in the first few verses. So, Connor, if you could read uh, verses 4 through 7, that'll give us a foundation. All right, so verse 4 and 5 is Christ's offering. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So, uh, it's a very kind of brief uh, uh, narrative of, of the events, but uh, Jesus uh, manages to put a little teaching about light. Seeing and light, uh, if you know, if he he is the light of the world, means more than just making somebody able to physically see. And so, this is what uh, you know John pursues in the rest of this chapter. Uh, now, uh, we all are spiritually blind. Uh, we all are all under the. Uh, the curse of uh, chapter 3 verse 18 
he who, who, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we're all born into unbelief. We are born into condemnation uh, until that point that we first believe. So, and that is spiritual blindness. Uh, uh, so he heals the man born blind and uh, that leads us to uh, verse 39. Connor. What verse? 39. <coughs> So he says flat out why he came into the world. Uh, it's about seeing spiritually and spiritual blindness. And we'll get into this, into this verse more uh, as we come to a, a close here. Um, uh, so he makes, he makes some to see spiritually, but he veils the eyes of others. Uh, he veils the eyes of the self-righteous. And this is an act of grace. And this is why I say that this this uh, uh, chapter is really paired up with chapter eight, uh, because uh, the act of mercy toward the adulterous woman is followed by an act of grace toward the man born blind, and this is how God uh, deals with us. Um, and we see that in Exodus 33, 19. Uh, God is talking to Moses, and this is when he is about to let him see his back. Uh, and he says, um, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So he makes a separation. God makes a separation between grace and mercy. So it is right that we do as well. So what, what, is, what is the difference between mercy and grace? Grace is a gift. Mercy is the pulling away of a deserved punishment. Uh, that's very close. <laughs> a Lutheran preacher yeah. taught me that. Yeah. No, that's not wrong. Uh, I would put it this way, though. And this is how I believe Dennis has put it over the years. Dennis, used to preach here. <laughs> I was trying to think of an old church father. Oh, no, yeah. No. From the 200. Dennis of Mopsoestia. <laughs> I didn't hear it to the D um, Mercy is uh, not getting what you do, do deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. So, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Is, is what the Luther preacher said. You know, mercy, mercy is is removing a punishment. Yeah. Grace is giving uh, a gift. Yeah. So the it's essentially the same thing. Expressing it was volition, literally right. given the gift. Yeah. God, literally, God taking away the punishment. Yeah. So it's essentially the same thing. And so in these two chapters, Christ is demonstrating the words that he spoke to Moses. Um, 
which, of course, goes along with the theme for, the, for this part of the gospel, you know, Moses and the law. So uh, uh, from that point, we can begin <laughs> with verse 2. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Okay, so they see a man born blind, uh, and their immediate uh, reaction is this is a punishment for sin. But who sinned? Uh, you know, and this is according to the law. Uh, and indeed, we are all born into that fatal handicap of 318, uh, that uh, handicap of unbelief. But that doesn't mean that's why people are born with handicaps, uh, with, with physical handicaps. So, uh, in, in the healing that uh, Connor's already read about, the man's eyes were born again. The, the man's eyes, uh, by, by Christ's words, he receives mercy. No one sinned. Uh, and then in the healing, in the gift of sight, he receives grace. So that's, that's you know, the, the physical uh, analogy. But it's about... Uh, opening the eyes of the man spiritually as well. And throughout his story, he demonstrates a, a growing revelation about Jesus, the person of Jesus and who he is. Uh, and we can see this. This is, this is going to be a handful of uh, verses, uh, just single verses. Uh, verse 11. Verse 11. 11. He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And then 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. In uh, 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And in 38. He said, Lord, I believe. So this blind man uh, he goes from Jesus the man to the prophet to being from God to being God. Uh, this is uh, a and this is all within a very short uh, amount of time. But his his eyes are open certainly, but his spiritual eyes are wide open uh, by the end of it. Uh, and he also gets there through the perseverance of his faith. Uh, verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Okay, so, uh, I mean, this is about his parents, but certainly he was under the same pressure. So he's under the pressure of being thrown out of the synagogue. And then verse 34. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. And they cast him out. And they also appointed to him the guilt, the sin guilt that, they, that uh, Christ had already uh, announced was not really there. Um, but he persevered. Um, his, his declaration of verse 38, when he worshipped Christ, uh, comes after verse 34. So um, he persevered in his faith. So any, uh, any thoughts or conversation about 
about that? Any of that? Well, it's just stark. They uh, quote unquote know so much, but they know so little. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and that's kind of the the theme of the rest of the chapter. Yeah, like <laughs> Jesus at the end, telling them when they say, "Are we blind also?" Mm -hmm. He says, uh, <coughs> "If you were blind, you would have no sin." Now you say, we see, they think they know, therefore we're sinning, remain. It kind of really puts a magnifying glass into the reality that knowledge really isn't worth that much. Mm -hmm. You know, all the knowledge in the world, on the internet, everything. Um, I, I saw some quote this week, and I don't remember, Papa saw it on one of y'all's sites, I don't know, but I saw this quote that said, uh, the, um, The world has got more knowledge than it's ever had, but, but you know, less wisdom than it's ever had in history or something like that. I don't remember where I saw that. But anyway, it kind of, kind of struck me, you know, so mm -hmm. kind of out. So. Yeah, and just to, I mean, to look back for a little bit, that's that was the conversation with Nicodemus. Yeah. When Nicodemus was relying on knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, and even Jesus' knowledge, uh, right. Jesus' uh, answer was... Mm -hmm. That doesn't have anything to do with it. You must be born again. Sure. Prophecy of the end times. I can't remember Jeremiah or something that said that uh, in the end times knowledge shall increase. Mm. So yeah. We've seen that in spades. Oh, definitely, so, yeah. I'm not expecting Jesus any day, really. He'd come back any time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't stop it. <coughs> no. <laughs> any, anything else? This is almost like... Uh, this isn't a fully formed thought, but this is this is almost like a repeat of the Garden of Eden story. Uh, eyes being opened and then getting exiled from the holy place. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the it's the false teachers who are doing the exiling, not God. It's almost like an inverse. Yeah. You know, Christ is doing the eye opening. This is this is the good version. Right. But then <laughs> the the teachers of the law can't handle it, so they exile him out. It's it's like an inverse of Genesis mm -hmm. three. Yeah, and you know this is what he does. If you consider that the tree of life was the cross, or or a precursor of the cross, then it's only people who who are whose eyes are opened uh, spiritually, yeah. uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit that can see it. The other thing that I, I find remarkable is the use of mud, you know, mm -hmm. spit. Yeah, you know, it's pretty pretty amazing because if you think about it, you know, we are we have this treasure in jars of clay. Right. You know, clay is basically water and mud. Uh -huh. you know, so it's like yeah. it's like a healing of the healing of the jar of clay. Yeah. Here so we can, it can hold yeah, we're gonna you are gonna get into that in just a minute here. <laughs> I, won't, I won't take the but before we do that, uh, the bottom line here is the message here is verse thirty two. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Right. Nothing from Moses in the books of the law all the way back to Genesis 1 is like this. Um, uh, opening the, the eyes of one born blind. Um, so, now, if you could read verse 16... Some of the 
Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So it takes the question of verse 2, you know, who is the sinner here, uh, and directs it at Jesus. And, but the answer is the same. The answer is still verse 3. Um, this is not about sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Um, so, uh, any any closing ideas about that? I did. I, I wanted to bring that out about in, from verse thirty-two. Again, this is another connection to Moses and the law, uh, and we're about to uh, get into that a little bit more. Uh, but before we do, are there any like closing thoughts? An observation. It says, and there was a division among them. And I remember, uh, I think in Acts, there's a verse that talks about. Uh, think many or at least some of the temple, you know, after Jesus' ascension, you know, became believers. I'm trying to remember where, do you remember that? Uh, I, I, I think you may be thinking of the verse where it says, and, and not a small number of the priests yes, um, I think that's right, uh, yeah. convert. Yeah. yeah, so my mind goes to that saying that, you know, and there was, uh, there was division amongst yeah. them. There, I'm sure there was a lot of throwing out of the synagogue. Yeah, you know, and I, I keep, my mind keeps going to this of being kind of a form of groupthink. These uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, where they just are real seem to be real concerned about what each other thinks of each other rather than right. the truth. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah. In, the, in this century, being thrown out of the synagogue is probably a really good thing. <laughs> well. <laughs> Is, is not a bad thing for certain. Yeah. There's also that moment in Acts where Paul realizes that uh, the crowd is a mix of Sadducees and Pharisees, and he pits them against each other by declaring a re- uh, the, the resurrection. He is a cunning fellow. Very, a lot of politics going on. All right, uh, Connor, can you read uh, verse 6 again? Having said these things, spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and then he anointed the man's eyes with the blood. Okay, um, uh, this is what um, David was referring to a minute ago. Um, this is another continuation from uh, chapter 8 uh, when Jesus was working his finger in the dirt. Uh, here he is again uh, working with the stuff of creation and it replays the creation of Adam before the fall, as, as Connor was uh, talking about uh, uh, before. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who, who was born blind, but that usually means their eyes are not formed, and sometimes it's just empty sockets. So uh, this was a creative miracle. He was creating eyeballs in the man, and he used his spit and dirt. You know, this is this is God creating something out of the dirt. You know, just like the, the creating creation story. And uh, again, the man didn't just receive his sight; he received spiritual sight. So this is a uh, this is another illustration of uh, the spirit regeneration 
you know, of Jesus' followers. Uh, it's only he uh, can make them um, see spiritually, and this is a new creation. Um, so he uses he uses this uh, uh, event, you know, in his teaching to apply the mir- the miracle of healing, physical sight to healing of spiritual sight, and this is another one of those events that's going to be uh, uh, referred to again in later chapters. So it's it really stuck with him. So any any continuing thoughts about any of that? Just like Adam and God creates Adam, he breathes into him life. You know, so yeah. he makes him out of dirt, or maybe he's made out of dirt. Mm-hmm. He breathes in, so it's, it's, come, it's things that come from the mouth of God. Right. So here's the same thing. Someone is from the mouth of God and comes his spit you know, into the dirt. Yeah. Right. Comes a healing sound to create. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's amazing. But I don't know what it says about about understanding the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. What's in the mouth of God? Well, what's um, in his breath. So, if if someone were to spit in your face, what would your reaction be? <laughs> you're fighting. Yeah. And if somebody breathed in your face, they're they're basically. I mean, you brought this up before in uh, past days and years. Your breath is exhaust, but the exhaust of God is life giving. You know, His spit in your face is sight giving. You know, these things that we would consider um, insults or just you know vile uh, uh, violations of of your personal space. These things are like blessings from God. They're, they're if they're from God, anything from God is going to be a blessing. Yeah, cough in your face. Well, that's life giving. So, I mean, that's something you can say about the mouth of God that that only beautiful, you know, great and wonderful blessings come from. Because I, I think you know when we breathe out, we're breathing out carbon, uh, carbon dioxide, yeah. which is poison. God breathes out, breathes out yes, it's life, life itself. All right, well, let's jump a little bit uh, further down. And Connor, if you could read 22 through 20. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, just had a weird question come to me. I was going to see if you have any thoughts on it. I don't know if it's important. Um, I'm talking about man made from dust. So a lot of the things in Genesis are made by what they call creation ex nihilo, out of nothing. But man's not a creation of Zeke. Uh-uh. He's made from, from dirt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what do we make of that? Is there is there is there any <laughs> is there any, any significance of that? I'm I i do not know the answer. Well uh <coughs> every every everything after the separation of the land from the water Everything was made from that material, as far as I know, okay. except for Eve. You know, I mean, indirectly she was made from it, but directly she was she was the only thing that was not made from dirt. Yeah. Uh, on the day of the creation of vegetation, you know, that comes up out of the dirt. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, that's yeah, just God's life. Creating, it's God's material. When He's creating the birds and the fish and that, I, don't, I guess that's 
I didn't just read that. You know, I think the church uh, just kind of accepts that they were made of the soil as uh, as was Adam, but okay. I mean it doesn't say specifically. Yeah, all right. Made of materials that are created when you separate light from dark. Yeah, when you light start the separation. Do you have anything on that, Nick? My initial thought, and this is obviously without any study, I've had this thought for a long time, but we always use this phrase in the church that this is not our home, but I almost think that's wrong because we are made from the earth. We're made from the earth, right? So, and we even read this in Revelation that the dwelling place of God is with man, meaning God dwells with us <coughs> while we dwell with him. So while earth will be regenerated, recreated, whatever you want to call it, we were made for the earth. So that's my, just because we're made from the earth. And that's my initial thought without doing any kind of actual study into it. Oh. But somebody might have a better thought on that. Connor does than I am. Thank you. You nodded your head when you said that. <laughs> well, we're not just made from dirt. We're made from dirt and the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a difference. Difference. yeah, there's a difference there. We're, we are, I mean, as the, as the priesthood, as, you know, the, the indwelling of God, we are the meeting point between heaven and earth, right? The spirit and the dirt in one form. So there's yeah. something there. Yeah. Yeah, well, one, one of the declarations of John is that Jesus is life. Yeah. So he, there is something of Jesus or something of God in every living thing, you know, including the carrot. So there's, a, there's also that. Yeah, I was going to say you're a body, soul, and spirit. In my opinion, the best part of every person is immaterial. It's immaterial. You know, in Genesis, it says, let us make man in our image, the Trinity, the creation. So we have body, soul, and spirit. And also in Isaiah, it says, God created the earth to be inhabited. Not Mars and not Jupiter and the moon. He said he created earth to be inhabited. Which he placed us there. But we're made in the Yet in the Psalms, it says, Lord, thou knowest our framework, it will be dust. But he's preparing us for the new heaven and new Jerusalem uh, to worship him for eternity and the resurrected body. Somehow that has a relation. Yeah, well, how, how, how just that works exactly. That's a good overview, though. What the Bible says. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, no, that didn't answer anything. <laughs> um, but let's let's plow ahead, uh, uh, Connor. If you could read verses twenty through twenty two through twenty nine. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, "He's of age. Ask him." So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> and they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Okay, so keeping with the theme, God, uh, John again records an invocation of Moses. You know, and it's, it's the, the uh, 
Jewish officials pride um, that they belong to Moses, and um, but they don't know, they don't have any idea about uh, Jesus. Uh, this is what Moses is doing in his grave. Yes. <laughs> Spinning around. Uh, I don't know if we're going to read this verse or not, but this, this healing, it's, it's kind, of, uh, kind of just thrown, a, a line thrown in, but this healing was on the Sabbath. Uh, they don't make a big deal of it here, but I'm sure that had a, uh, or John doesn't make it a big deal, but I'm sure that was part of the mix. Um, but they, they used the law to terrorize the parents uh, of the man. And uh, even though they had nothing to do with anything, uh, except that they have been exonerated from sin because the man is not blind anymore. Uh, just as Jesus said, uh, they did not sin. Uh, so that's their only part in it. Uh, but, you know, the question of who is the sinner here arises. And, of course, in the Jewish officials' view, uh, Jesus is a sinner, even though he's pulled off this thing that no one has ever uh, seen before. Uh, so the, the assumption of verse 24, um, we know this man is a sinner, is the same as the assumption of verse 2, uh, who sinned here the man or the parents and it's just a focus on uh, it just betrays a focus on uh, these people are just always trying to find somebody who's guilty um, who, who, who can we judge to show how devoted we are to the law um, so there's that um, but again the invocation of Moses um, so, any any thoughts? Question, real quick, you know, because you know we know in the scriptures it was Jesus' habit to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, mm -hmm. and so now we're at a point where any connection with Jesus is thrown out of the she's thrown out of the synagogue. Right. I'm just wondering what what at this point if anybody knows maybe did Jesus stop going to the to the synagogue or is he still going? What do they do with Jesus when he comes in? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I suppose he, he, they don't, don't do anything Jesus to him that he doesn't want them to do. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, interesting to know a little bit about that. So. Yeah. Um, Uh, well, uh, from the end of chapter 8, it looks like he has just left the temp temple. They were going to stone him, and he says hid himself. he hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So, yeah, he's probably in the area of the temple still. So long as Jerusalem. Okay, Connor, uh, if you could read uh, verses 39 through 41. <laughs> Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Uh, 
Okay, so this is certainly uh, kind of a mysterious little uh, um, conversation of what Christ means exactly. Um, the church typically interprets it as concerning seeing or understanding the law, which the Pharisees claim they could do. Um, now, there's, there's also kind of a question of what was the nature of the, que- of the question? What about us? Are we blind also? You know, was it sincere? Was it antagonistic? Oh, yeah? You think, are you saying that we're blind too? Could be sarcastic? Yeah, right. Yeah, we're blind, sure. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, we have to kind of decide for ourselves what we think the nature of the uh, question was because it kind of, you know, uh, will lead to what the nature of the answer is. This is almost like how dare you is basically. Yeah. Do you think they were interpreting the word blinds Pharisees as being physically blind? Or do you think they, they were picking up on the spiritual being blind? Well, I, th- I, th- I think they must be picking up on the spiritual okay. here a little bit. Okay. Because uh, obviously they're not physically blind. Yeah. Um, so I've always taken it as a sincere question, but um, I mean that's anybody's guess, really. Well, yeah, I mean you can never really trust them. Uh, you know, they said they warned Jesus that Herod wanted to kill him when actually Herod wanted to see him, you know, to see if he couldn't get a miracle out of him. Uh, so I mean they just can't really be trusted. Entering in the theater when you're trying to decide the motivation for a character, well, I say nine times out of ten, if you think of the most self-centered uh, emo- <coughs> reason for doing something, you can. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think that if it was a sincere question, then they probably should not have needed to ask it. You know, uh, if there's if they have some doubts about whether they're blind or not then that should be their answer. Yes, you are. Uh, so, um, but this, this, the question is still pertinent because it's not only uh, applicable to the Pharisees, it's applicable to the entire nation of Israel. Uh, and, you know, certainly uh, there was a multitude of people uh, at that time that were blind. Um, so the event uh, begins with a question. Who, who, who is the sinner here, this man or his parents? And it ends with a question. You know, are we blind too? And Jesus gives a clear answer. Uh, the, the Pharisees claim to see what is good, uh, the law, in order to apply guilt. But they are blind to the better thing, uh, mercy and grace. Uh, so uh, that's how God will deal with them. You know, if, if you're uh, going to be administrators of the, God, of the law uh, to the goal of judgment, then that's what you will reap. And if it is to the goal of, of mercy and grace, then uh, that is what you will reap. Uh, but this all can go back to uh, chapter 5, verse 45. 
uh, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. So we can, you know, every time we see this uh, arrogant you know, connection that they make to Moses, you know, we can go back to that verse and uh, see what Christ says about that. So that is the end of this chapter. Um, we don't have time to go on, so I'll just close out by saying this is the sixth sign, the man born blind. And these signs are getting just more and more incredible. Uh, this one, nobody has seen it since the beginning of time. Uh, but the next one is going to be even more, even more so. Yeah. So any, any closing thoughts today before we... Uh, you know, it's it's me, especially if you've read it, a, a lot of the Greek tragedies. You know, there's the, there's the blind prophet, Theodosius. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's blind, but that gives him insightful sight in other ways. Yeah, that's you know, he takes Oedipus, who can see, but he's blind, uh-huh. and then ultimately he blinds himself, and then that's when he's able to see more clearly. Yeah, that's that's a trope in movies. I mean, uh, the village comes to mind. The, the blind girl uh, in the village sees more than everyone else in the in the town. So, I think it's called the village that M. Night Shalaman uh, Shalaman story. All right. Well, is that any closing thoughts, Connor? I uh, I mean, I'm running this thing through Genesis three uh, this whole time. I've been sort of comparing it to the Paul story. This last quote from Jesus at the end. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see your guilt remains, he's sort of comparing them to Adam and Eve, I think. Well, the knowledge of the good good and evil. Um, You know, they're saying, are we blind? Um, He almost, he kind of inverts it almost. they are spiritually blind, but if they if they were truly blind, they would have no guilt. It's kind of, it's an yeah. enigmatic thing that he's saying, and I think it really only makes well, sense if you it is very if, if you uh, if you run it through Genesis three. I think that's really the only way that it kind of makes sense. I can't really think of other way to yeah. understand what he's saying. Uh, it seems reminiscent of uh, Romans seven, where if it weren't for the law, I would know what sin was. Yeah. Was it sin? Sin through the law. Right, right. Uh, well, then, sin is the law reveals sin. It doesn't right. it doesn't absolve you of it. So yeah, those are both good thoughts. Thank you. Well thank you. Thank you for coming and sitting through it. We'll pick up on chapter ten.